Welcome back to our Sorry to Get Back on Topic, on topic mini series on the topic of Foundation, the TV show, and the book, and any other media format. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was an, an audio book I listened to as well. So, yeah, today uh, we've got Alex back. And uh, hello. Great to have you. Mike couldn't make it this time, but it's his birthday, so I won't blame him for that. Yeah, happy birthday, Mike. Yeah, and congrats to you, as we mentioned in the last episode. New baby. That's oh, exciting. Thank you. Yes. I am uh it's it's this is one of the only things I have done besides to hear the baby except like go to the grocery store. That's like the one other thing I've done. <laughs> well so this is honored. great. It's like a little treat. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I uh I have to admit I kind of cheated since our last episode and started watching the other, I was going to try and wait, but I started watching all the episodes. Um, and mm. you know what? I'll just, you know, go back and refresh my memory a little bit before I record. But, uh, yeah, you were saying you hope you can remember this episode. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was it's been a few days thinking, I think I'm kind of like also looking at a plot synopsis. So it'll help remind me of some things that happened. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, and I think maybe, uh, like, uh, we could do a little recap too, just for the audience. Maybe that'll help. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the first thing I remember from the episode was this investigation continuing into who blew up the star bridge and that apart from the, you know, the actual plot of like the explosion and who did it, it's also exciting just to see that, um, on TV because we've seen it in popular media and it's also been discussed, you know, I think among scientists, if it's possible to build this um, space elevator concept. Um, You know, there's that movie Ad Astra where he -hmm. falls off of the space elevator. And um, so that, that whole concept of an elevator that you could take up to space came from this, came from Isaac Asimov. So, um, it's really cool to to see like oh here's the original you know version of that, um, and same thing with a lot of what we think about robots. I think the word robot might have come from someone else. I'm not sure, but you know mm. robots in our pop science and sci-fi culture as we know it all comes from Isaac Asimov's books, and so it's just like I don't know. I, I think half of the excitement for me in watching the show and in reading those books is that these are kind of like common ideas that we have in our movies, but this is the, the origin. This is the beginning of the first version of a lot of these ideas that we see elsewhere in movies. Um, anyway, that's a little tangent, but, uh, that's what I remember from the beginning of the episode. And, um, and another like massive thing at the end was, uh, Harry getting killed. But yeah, wow. What else comes to mind for you? <laughs> Plot twist. Yeah. Um, so oh, I'm coming at this from the unique perspective of uh, like I'm reading the books right now, and I'm actually in the middle of Second Foundation, which is the third book. So like a lot of the Ooh. book is really fresh for me. Um, and awesome. So, yeah. Of course, that makes me really. Some of it makes me really angry. It's like the departure from the. Uh, you know, the books, because I'm like, I just read the story and this is not how it goes. 
But um, yeah, Mike and I were kind of what, talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I heard that, and um, it's probably better you guys have a little space from it. I think that I would appreciate the series more if I had some more space. I actually, you know, if I try to think about it really, sort of um, like objectively, and not mm-hmm. try to attach to the books, I'm I, I think it's very interesting. Um, there's only been one kind of cringy moment, and that was you guys pointed it out in the last episode too, and. When the uh, the guy who was working on the giant mural got splattered oh, yeah. with a gun, and I was thinking, like, what a stupid gun! Like, think about how inefficient <laughs> it is to have that gun that blows people's body parts everywhere instead of yeah. just disintegrating them. But um, dramatic. But yeah, mostly, yeah, right. Mostly, I've been uh, I've been really enjoying it, and uh, one of the things that I was kind of hoping for with this, and of course, it's a stupid hope, right? Because it's supposed to be this like blockbuster TV show. But I was thinking like, oh, I hope it's like a really like a political thriller, you know, like along mm. the lines of like 13 Days what's, or... What's 13 um, Days? I'm trying to think. 13 Days is about the Cuban Missile Crisis. So it follows oh, like John F. Kennedy. Right. And so there's not a lot of like straight up action in it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's all about them trying to figure out what to do. Um, and that's what I feel like the books are so much like. It's like there's not a lot of straight up action in the books. In fact, there's hardly any. Yeah. Um, but it's all in these long conversations where, and like realizations over periods of time where they figure out how they're going to leverage their own position in order to um, defeat whatever crisis is, is emerging, right? And so it's always really interesting how they come about that. And I think that probably the series could lean a little more on that than it is, but it's, it's having to create these sort of <clears throat> archetypes and, and sort of um, <clears throat> like plot tropes that are like necessary to create action, right? Like we need the emperor to be evil um, or it's, it's hard to say yet exactly how the emperor will be known. I mean, he seems, he seems like a pretty cutthroat dude, especially in episode two where he's ordering all the executions at the end of the episode. But yeah, um, I never got that sense. I think you guys pointed that out too. I never got that sense in the books that the emperor was necessarily like this kind of, cutthroat ruler in fact it seemed in the books way more that the emperor was almost just a figurehead um yeah that didn't do much and it was mostly ruled by all of the sort of uh technocrats you know yeah definitely he was almost mm. beside the point it was kind of like mm. you could replace him with any other figure and really the the book and good sci-fi in general i think just tries to do this where they like try to just observe humanity and kind of almost in an abstract sense. And when you zoom out and look at it through an abstract point of view, then you can start to make certain judgments, you know, positive or negative about humanity. And um, so I think, you know, in the book, it's definitely like there is an emperor because there's a big empire and he's really kind of talking about, you know, uh, just like large systems of power probably and how, you know, there's going to be a certain point where it can only get so big and then it'll fall apart and, you know, right. what's what's really important. And, you know, to him it's, you know, like knowledge and that he kind of creates this fantasy society of like, what if you had a whole planet that was just a university, <laughs> a very mm-hmm. academic yeah. kind of haven. And to me that's kind of like what a lot of the book is about. It's not necessarily like, oh, there's this evil emperor and, you know, we hope that he fails or we have to take him down or one way or another. Um, Yeah. It's like the enemy really is just time and just kind of like momentum. Like society is kind of like, 
it's going to grow to a certain point and there's a limiting factor and it's going to kind of all fall apart. And, but, you know, I was talking about this with Mary too and, and she, you know, pointed out how that's not necessarily going to be good TV. You kind of need, yeah. you need, you need someone to embody that antagonist. So I don't blame him for making the emperor seem like an evil dude. I don't either. I, I, I do wish that we as audience members could be trusted to sort of uh, like not need to, for lack of a better throw, like need to have all the action like mm. right away. Because I think that all the things that happened, like especially the the star bridge collapsing and all that, right. that would have been great like episode seven material of this series where like Selden has like called this thing happening and then, mm-hmm. you know, so many years, a hundred years down the line, they go back, you know, you have this like, sort of uh, you call back to the empire and see what's going on there. And these like terrorist attacks start happening. Right. And it's like, it's sort of like the beginning of the end, right. Of the empire with this stuff yeah. happening. That would have been more true to the books, I think. And they still could have got their action in, but I understand like they need a hook right in the first episode. Right. And, um, but yeah, so it's, it, it didn't, like I said, it doesn't bother me a ton, but it's really hard for me to, to, uh, like sort of separate the two because <laughs> I'm, cause <laughs> it's I'm fresh reading in right your now. mind. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I think that they're taking plenty of liberties with the journey, right, from um, from Trantor to Terminus, uh, because that wasn't covered in the book, like, at all. Uh, it's just, like, they leave, and then they are there. You know, it's like, it, it just, they get on the ship to leave, and then the next thing you really hear is once the uh, the new mayor is sort of in charge. They fast forward, you know? yeah. Yeah. You've got uh, Salver Hardin. Yeah. Salver Hardin, was- right. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad that this is the books are more fresh in your mind because, you know, Mike and I are trying to remember like, wait, do they is this in the <laughs> book? Or what? And because uh, I did not remember that at all. But um, yeah, I think that they are taking this opportunity to kind of like play in the space that's not really in the book and mm-hmm. develop a little bit more and also kind of insert their own new ideas. I don't think this was in the book, for example, but I thought it was really interesting the idea of getting pregnant and then capturing that fertilized egg and like mm. cryo freezing it. I mean, we have yeah. cryogenics and like you can freeze your eggs, but from what I remember, <laughs> I haven't looked into it lately, but when you freeze your eggs in present day, you know, you're just freezing the egg. It's not fertilized, I don't think. So that's kind of right. like a, yeah. an interesting tweak on, you know, where, where the future of medicine could go and stuff like that of like, okay, you could freeze that, you know, and that couple could then kind of resume their pregnancy, you know, when they wanted to later on in this case, when they're not being bombarded by outer space radiation. Right. Um, yeah. yeah when none of that more, was in the book. more of a chance of survival for the fetus. Yeah. Right. So that was like an interesting little touch. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that they're taking some time on the ship because I mean, that's an, e- that's easy uh, plot to fill up. Right. Cause they don't have to worry about, you know, messing with the books. Although they do have Selden getting murdered, which is, I mean, was that in the book? I, I don't, don't remember really him getting murdered. That. No. Okay. No. I mean, although you could say, you know, I don't know what happened to Selden because they don't really say how yeah. Selden died. But I think that the first generation after Selden would know, right? That would be like really known lore for like Salvar Harden. Yeah, um, I just assumed he died of like old be age thing to... be, because in the book mm-hmm. it kind of jumps in time. It, so it fast forwards and like, okay, we have the foundation is kind of like 
the first colony is there, and he's kind of like a myth, a mythical figurehead almost. And so, you know, they they talk mm-hmm. about him in the past tense. Obviously, he's gone at that point, but they, you know, highly revere him and all of that. And yeah, there's I don't remember anything as dramatic as like a murder and um, oh. s- sending uh, what's her name off uh, Gal Gal um, mm-hmm. or Gail. I th- in the book, in my mind, I was yeah. Ready you don't to hear any more from Gail. Yeah, it shipped her off in a little escape mm-hmm. pod, and I was like, "What is going on? Mm-hmm. Are they like, how are they gonna bring her character back? That's interesting." Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I think you've seen the next couple episodes, but I'm kind of anxious to see what happens with the Selden character because obviously Jared Harris is like a pretty big name to have on your show, and I can't imagine that he's just not going to be in it except for these like rare little cameos. I don't know if there's right. how they're going to make that work. And I remember from the um, books, <clears throat> I thought that it was like in uh, every hundred years or something. So you'll remember better. But doesn't he appear inside that vault, like a projection of his hologram? Um, it wasn't on a fixed thing. I don't think it was. Whenever the crisis. Oh, okay. Yeah, emerging. it was right before the crisis. It would do that. Yeah, yeah. And so he had them projected out. Um, so far, and I'm curious as to I'm I'm in second foundation, and oh, I guess I shouldn't spoil anything for anyone. I Let's not go say. too far ahead in the <laughs> books. Happening. Yeah, but we we can we can talk right, about yeah, what yeah. what has transpired so far, like in the TV chrono- chronology. Right. So it's really interesting because really in these first two episodes, we've only I mean, it's like the first I don't know quarter of the first book is done. Yeah. Uh, because like we're taking so much time on the journey, and that's just not something that was covered um, before. They also include a lot from the prelude. Ah, uh, yeah, I haven't read those, but that's cool that you have. That was the the audio book that I like speed listened to. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm, I'm anxious to read those too now, um, since they're stuff in this TV show that is is on there. But um, one of the other things I really like about so far, I do. I do enjoy that they're sort of working out the politics of the empire, like this whole thing with Anacreon and uh, I forget the other planet. Oh yeah. Um, Anacreon is the one they focus on mostly in the book. So I don't really know what the other one is called. I can't remember, but I like that they're like focusing on how the empire rules. It gives you like a lot more immersion into like, what is this world that is about to collapse? Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it seems far too tyrannical. To be uh, an empire that's lasted thirty thousand years, you know, I kind of what I kind of thought was in the books was really um, sort of made it more authentic. Is that it did seem to be more of a, a like a technocrat run society with a figurehead emperor, which I thought was something that maybe could run for that long, like it would survive because it was um, it was a very fair sort of egalitarian like mm. rulership, like it wasn't. It wasn't like something that was so, so involved as he is in the in those that like settling that dispute, you know. Yeah, right. Um, I was picturing something more UN like <laughs> in my head, you know, like a little bit more hands off, but stepping in where necessary and applying political pressure and stuff like that. Um, because I thought, well, that's something that might actually make it the distance. Versus, I think that there would be like. <laughs> pretty quick revolt if possible against a government like it is where he's ordering these like executions and stuff like those type of things don't typically tend to last i don't think yeah long long time before yeah people revolt (laughs) yeah exactly i think that's 
That's an interesting point. I don't think that, you know, it would last that long if you were truly that tyrannical. Um, and it would be interesting to imagine, like, what could a perfect empire look like? You know, obviously where we are in our current, like, socio-cultural moment, uh, we think of democracy as the absolute best model of governance. And it might be, but, you know, I'm also aware that that's, we might think that just because that's what we have. <laughs> so it'd be kind of interesting to see, um, you know, a potential future, like what, what, what could like a perfect empire be like as a, a little like a sci-fi take on things. Yeah, and I mean, it, it seemed like in the books it was really about like keeping the peace, but not getting up in people's business too much. <laughs> yeah, like the empire didn't want to didn't want to bother with the periphery systems unless it absolutely had to. Like, it wasn't like they were trying to like exercise dominion over them or like I don't know. I, I get it that there was a terrorist attack that happened, and they blamed it on one of those two places. But um, yeah, I don't know. It seems a little bit hands-on to me, but hey, that's going to make for better TV, right? So, you know, and and build the villain character from Lee Pace. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which he's great. Yeah. He, he's so good so in this good. already, I think. He's probably my favorite part. Yeah. yeah. And I think all the actors definitely carry. If, the, if there's any, you know, weak parts, I think the actor definitely carries it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's actually one scene that I wasn't a big fan of, where um, Gail is talking to this group about what they want to save and what they don't want to save. Uh, she's talking about base, mm. yeah, base 8, base 10, or base 20 math, and like, yeah. oh, well, most people use this type of math, so let's not even bother saving that. Um and she, you know they're trying. Mm-hmm. They felt like they're trying too hard to make some sort of philosophical statement about you know like 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 this is Noah's Ark of knowledge, and we decide like who stays <laughs> and who goes and all that. And I was kind of like, eh, okay, but um, I mean, first of all, this happens naturally. Like, look at languages. There are so many languages on the planet, but there are thousands that have died off in our own lifetime. Um, just because they're not getting, they're yeah. not being spoken, um, and with those languages, you lose parts of culture, like songs and stories, um, and that's happening mm-hmm. naturally in the first place. Um, but it's not. I mean, just because something naturally dies doesn't mean you should actively kill it. But I'm just saying, like, okay, it's not the worst thing. And then on the other hand, like I, I couldn't really just get, I couldn't get on board with either side of her argument. It's like, on the one hand, it's like, should we discard this, you know, rarely used type of mathematics? I feel like, well, yeah, sure. If it's rarely used, it's probably not going to be used 10,000 years from now anyway. And then on the other hand, it's like, hold on. We're in like some super distant sci-fi that has this faster than light travel. You're telling me you don't have enough room on your hard drive to like save both? (laughs) Like, why do they need to pick and choose at all? That that kind of part I don't really understand. Um, you know, it's information, and I think yeah. I oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say. I guess the only thing I can the only limiting limiting factor I could remember in terms of the book is around um, the way that it's passed on is kind of like an oral tradition of like teaching. Like 
they have school, they have kids, the you know, the babies that you see being made on that ship are born and then they teach them and then like what is the math that they teach those kids? And that's the way that it lives on. But um I'm pretty sure they also have like full archives of like hollow recordings and I forget what they called them, like video books or something in the book. <laughs> but um mm-hmm. it's possible to store yeah, that. There is. Right, there is. I think I mean I'm, I could tell the kind of what they were doing there, right? They're making the inclusivity argument, right? It's like, well, the the most powerful or the most privileged make the kind of rule like write the history books. Right. <laughs> right? Write the history. So I think right. I think the point there was that like, well, you know, this is a huge empire, right? And we're trying to like write down the empire's knowledge and the people who are for all these <coughs> all these people are from Trantor, right? So they're they're gonna use whatever people from Trantor used to to make the history out of, right? So mm-hmm. they're like detailing the technology. They're going to like detail it in base 10 um, and all that. But like there are, there's a whole galaxy and there's all these people that use all different kinds of math. So are we going to record how all this stuff works in base 27 or base 12? Like, are we going to explain all the math that way too? Because like all those people use that and this may be kind of useless to them to see it in this other way. If it's, if we're talking about preserving it for the future, I, I kind of get with, I agree that it was a little heavy handed. Mm-hmm. I get where they're coming from though. Like it's not so much that they, they couldn't pick or choose. It's that, well, will they even th- consider doing that because they're, they're just used to like, they're the ruling, they're from the ruling, you know, planet Trantor and they do it this way on Trantor. So we're just going to write the history that way, even though it's supposed to be a galactic sort of encyclopedia. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like if you made if you made a world book encyclopedia, and then you only put it out in English. Yep. <laughs> you know, kind of like that. So I, I get where they're coming from. Yeah, and I I um, feel like they should have done you know recruited people from all over the galaxy to join this foundation thing, um, but you know I guess they had a limited amount of time to get out and start doing it. I'm I'm still not clear on why. Right. But. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe maybe they only have... Yeah, it seems like he recruited Gale. Yeah, that's so true. So he could have recruited other people from other planets. And Well, and the ship is yeah. full of thousands of people. Like, there's a scene where he's talking to, like, I don't know, 50 people just doing the laundry. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was showing, like, how he's kind of building rapport and kind of setting his legacy, uh, which uh, brings me to another idea I'll get into in a second. But um, they have all these people. Like they could have tried to recruit from a diverse population if you know that's their true kind of goal is getting capturing everything. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like just throw it on a hard drive. People can look it up. Now maybe you're right. <laughs> like maybe maybe people only learn base ten um, in school, and like that's what they talk about, and that's what they like. You know, maybe how like we just use the imperial system for our measurements instead of metric. But, you know, you could go and look up the metric system and learn how to use it. And I feel like the same thing is, is true for this. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably just true. Uh, well, you kind of touched on one thing there about him only recruiting from Trantor. And that's how it was in the book, too. I, I think that I don't know if I like this or hate it. But in the in the books and in the show, 
the galaxy is huge, right? Like the Galactic Empire has like sort of kind of conquered and rules this entire Milky Way galaxy. And at the same time, it is a pain in the butt to get from one into the other. Like when we play like Elite Dangerous, right? We can go from, you could go from one into the galaxy to the other in, um, you know, a few weeks of play session. If you played constantly, you could probably do it in like, I don't know, less than two days. Mm -hmm. Like if you were just constantly playing and never stopping. So like what what's interesting about this is that it takes them four years, right, to get from the center to one edge. Mm-hmm. So like there is still this like vastness about the space. And so maybe part of that is like, you know, he only recruits on Trantor because it's like not actually that easy to recruit from all over the galaxy. It takes people a long time to get anywhere. You know, it would be like trying to put together yeah. – uh, Something like um, maybe a, a coalition of people from all over the planet back in like the 1600s, right? Yeah. It would have been a huge like effort to get people from different continents. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. So like, I, it seems like that's kind of the the association I'm making is that like, even though the empire rules over the whole galaxy, it's still this enormous, vast place that like it's it takes a long time to get places, and mm-hmm. you can't just jump, you know, in one jump from the middle to the edge. You know, so I guess actually you could go a little faster than they are because they they sent them away not on the uh, not using the warp drive, right? It was like they're on like a generation ship going at a slower speed. I think they did that on purpose because that you know the time would separate them from like what what um the empire is scared of them for. You know, he's scared of Selden making this prophecy, so he's like, well, I'll put him on this ship and it'll take four years, and then everyone will forget about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. We'll forget about Harry Selden because he's, you know, just kind of in this like no man's, this liminal space. Yeah, that's true. Uh, between two worlds. Yeah. So I appreciate the the scale, though, that they create by not just making it that, oh, yeah, you can just show up there the next day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That definitely helps, like, with a little bit of fictional slash realism. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned yeah. something. Briefly, and I'm kind of curious if you have any theories about this, because, again, it's one of those things that may not be explicitly in the book, so maybe it's safe to make some guesses or predictions. But Harry Seldon is talking to everyone in the laundry and about how important their contribution is and making this great connection, like, man, props to him for remembering names. Like, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> but... um you know, people really uh, like him. They feel appreciated by him and kind of like connected to him and all that. And um, and then he gets murdered uh, by his, you know, is it an assistant in the show, I think, but by Raish. And yeah, it's kind of his like adopted son almost or something like well, it. That's what I was going to say. He's really painted out to be this like person he's known since he was a little boy. In the book, it's his son. Um, but. In, well, is it? I, I I don't remember the character Raish actually, in the books, or if he was there, he was very barely there. Right, he's in Prelude and in oh, he's Forward in the Prelude. To Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's the two the two prequel books. Uh, so I I didn't want to like got it, give got too it. much away. I don't know what's in the in the show, but um, mm-hmm. or you know if people want to read the book. It's not like a huge secret. It's just kind of like something that happens over time. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, you know, he, he found him as a kid and kind of took him on, under his wing. Um, according to the book, he eventually adopts him. 
so he's like technically his father, but not biologically. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's a strong connection. They're really close. Um, and I was just wondering, like, the way he is, you know, he's so methodical about planning everything out, controlling the outcome of the future. Do you think he planned his own death and, like, also, like, the person who did it, like, his assistant, whatever, his son, someone close to him, he had Raish do it. I wonder if he, like, told him to do it. Like, you have to do this. And in doing so... yeah after building this big rapport with everyone on the ship and they all love him right at that moment he dies. So he kind of like that cements like a very positive memory. And then he kind of has his stake as Mm. like uh, a really great man, a martyr um, that can live on as a legacy because he needs these people to like believe in him. Um, And I think Mike was calling this out almost like a religion (laughs) going forward. Yeah. Because these crises are going to happen and you need to do what he says if you're going to survive it. So what a, what better way than to kind of build up this mythos? Anyway, long story of just saying I, I'm suspecting he kind of planned his own death. What do you think? Yeah, if that's not the case, <laughs> if he didn't plan his own death, then like it leaves this huge like hole and huge departure from the books of him actually being credible and predicting the future. Now he does say you can't predict like the the actions of single men, but I would assume that in his calculations, you know, like he plays a big role for the first so many years of what's happening and um he does need to establish a certain amount of credibility in order for people to take him seriously into the next generation and so forth. So it's really it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because by even if they said well he predicted his own predicted his own death, then I think it would leave like not a lot of confidence in the, in the people who are like his disciples that like, this is all going to work out Yeah, just because like, (laughs) you know, it hasn't, they followed him, but they haven't really gotten anywhere or started anything yet. Um, and then on the flip side, like if he hadn't planned it, it's like, Oh, well this guy didn't see that coming. Like now what do we do? (laughs) Like it, it wouldn't inspire a lot of confidence that, you know, this whole plot he had laid out is actually going to work. So, I don't know. I think it'll be really interesting to see where where it goes. And also with Gale, I mean, like, they're really setting Gale up to be a big part of the show, it seems like. And Gale was not a big part of the books, only for, like, the first quarter of the first book. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's really it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And I, especially because they, you know, he, like, sent her away in an escape pod. So... I mean, maybe that will be the, somehow the end of Gail's story. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's very – they've set up a lot of things that I'm curious how they're going to resolve and still stay somewhat true to the books. Um, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. The, the character of Raish could be this – could be a lot deeper, darker, more interesting. They did kind of have an argument over dinner where he's like, no, you're lying. My dad wasn't a, an alcoholic or whatever. Um, that only happened after you took me in, which is also just very weird because I just read Prelude and like he didn't have a father. He was like this street street <laughs> orphan gangster kid, and uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can talk about that another time. But they totally changed his backstory in the TV show. Um, I don't know if it was just mm-hmm. for that scene or whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah, I thought it was odd. I think that it's fine. Like I, I, 
they obviously had that scene to set up your own suspicions, right? Because yep. without that scene, it might be really easy to jump to the conclusion like, oh, well, this is all part of the plan. Yep. Um, but with that scene, now it's like, oh, maybe there is some deeper seated, you know, like tension or something that something dark and maybe how Selden has treated him in the past and that's playing out. So like it's it's really hard to see uh that 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 scene creates the uncertainty. That was a really well done that they put that scene in there to do that, I think. Were there any other I'm trying to think of any other parts of this that I really want to touch on. Um Yeah, and, and I'm I'm trying not no, to No, no, I I liked your guys discussion about the uh Oh, sorry. I liked your guys' discussion about the uh, like the tone of everything. How it's so dark, mm. right? Like everything is pretty muted. <clears throat> I I also kind of agree with Mike that like I wish there was some more variety, and I wonder if that'll change as like they're using it like as a a storytelling device, mm-hmm. right? By trying to paint it like life under the empire is kind of dark and drab and not so like like not so full of life. It's more like lifeless um that could be the the way way they're going here but but again it's so weird because in the books i never really thought of the empire as necessarily being a bad place no it's more just like if if anything i thought of it as more just like the trantor at least as like a idea of the empire sounded like this sparkling futuristic like manhattan on steroids of like the most amazing, complex, vibrant city. Like, it's a city that is so big mm-hmm. that the entire planet is one city. That's how cool this place is mm-hmm. and technologically advanced mm-hmm. and all of that. And, um, you know, the the rest of the galaxy is, is kind of like driving through the rest of the U.S. where it's like a little bit further removed. You got, you know, different subcultures and stuff. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think maybe in the show... You're right. It's more of a device to like show this is the twilight of the empire, and so likewise, it is kind of you know dark and gray and drab. Um, despite the color, which I think yeah is kind of drab, I did think some of the costumes are pretty interesting. Like with Anacreon, mm-hmm. and my gosh, I can't remember the other yeah. planet. <laughs> but those the the two delegates, uh, Thepsis. Oh, okay. The two delegates. I just looked it up. Yeah, yeah. That they have some really interesting outfits, you know, that you see in those scenes when they're pleading for their lives. And it's yeah, it's interesting. In the books, they kind of touch on this too. I mean, like Anacreon is really out on the edges of the galaxy, and it's near Terminus, right where the where uh, they're all headed, and it's sort of a. Uh, it's not quite barbaric, but basically when you get to the farther reaches, it's it's very uh, feud, like a feudal system kind of ruling the planets. It's not so, there's not a lot of democracy and like that's what makes those peripheral planets kind of like, that's kind of like the barbarism, right? It exists out there and it will get worse is what he's kind of predicting, you know, um, throughout the galaxy. But it's really interesting that they are so they don't really remind me of that necessarily of like being barbaric. But I guess there is the sort of like formality, like a uh, monarchy kind of looking like there's such formal dress. And, you know, they're not like uh, as I keep using this word technocrats, they're not like, you know, it's not like a guy in a suit that's like going to represent the United States at the U.N. Right. It's like this very, very formal um, like sort of patronage thing. 
uh, almost like they have to bring a gift and they have to do like all these sort mm. of like showing of appreciation and, and you get, get the sense that probably that's how it is on their planets too, that like there's like a really formal hierarchical structure um, as opposed to maybe like a democratically elected or like an egalitarian sort of society. So I'm anxious to learn. Um, there must be more in this about Anacreon given how much it's in the book. So I'm anxious to see um, how that plays out, especially with like the, the crises that emerge down the road, down the road. Right. Yep. It does. Uh, we'll have to save this for other episodes, but it does come up later in the TV series. So we'll see some more there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Have you had any thoughts about the music so far? Oh, you know, I haven't paid a ton of attention to it either. I don't know if that's a good um, or a bad thing. <laughs> um, I think it's an okay thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's good if you don't notice it for being bad. Um, I do think I'm the kind of person, though, that, like, when there's a really good soundtrack, I'm, like, you know, like, totally distracted and, like, sucked into it. Yeah. Um, like the ones we've talked about on the show, right? Like, especially, like, Interstellar and... Um, uh, Inception and these ones that have like, they're just they they tell the story almost. Yeah, or, they're so good. And uh, this is not the case in Foundation. I would say it's a very much background. more straight. You know, it's like a yeah as well, or just you know it helps move the plot along sometimes. But it's it's not there to be iconic the way those other ones right. were. And maybe this is because I saw it a million times over several years. But like thinking of the intro music. <clears throat> To certain shows like Game of Thrones, you know, like you can, it's almost, you, you say Game of Thrones and you might immediately hear, do, 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 do. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so yeah, iconic. Right, right. <laughs> or like, you know, if you've seen Mandalorian, like that mute, that, you know, kind of new take on Western. Yeah, exactly. It's catchy. And, exactly. or if it's not catchy, it's dramatic. And, and, I do. I love the the visual effects. Just talking about the intro for a second of the show for Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is is pretty good, <laughs> but yeah, like it's not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's only because I've seen a few episodes. Maybe I need to see like three hundred of them. But um, it hasn't really gripped me uh, like I might hope from you know other shows do. Yeah. Uh, kind of along those lines, and this maybe be the last thing because I'll have to sign mm-hmm. off. But um, the intro, the actual visual intro, um, I don't know who it is that's making these, but there's like must be the same company that's making like loads of different TV show oh, yeah. intros because this intro is exactly the same as like Man in the High Castle intro, which has been exactly the same as uh, at least one more that like uh, maybe it's Expanse. Mm. Expanses like this too. They just have the exact same formula to them. Um, so I'll have to see if I can find some more of those and point look them out. Up but on like, there's a definite pattern, especially look at Man in the High Castle. You'll be like, oh yeah, it's it must be the same people making it because it's like uh, it's very formulaic how they do it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> um, it's good. Yeah, but, like really nice effects. But um, yeah. I just I was just checking out the expanses and I I think it is the same too. It's a little bit more involved that one, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the same. You'll see what I'm talking about. Especially watch Man the High Castle. That one and and Foundation are almost identical. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's different imagery, mm-hmm. but just the way things unfold and like the way they use like sort of like these still images versus like having much video. You know, it's like 
moving still images, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, like the Ken Burns yeah, effect. I don't know how to describe that you know, exactly. You know, Ken Burns, where like you have the photograph and you just gradually pan over the photograph and move on to another one. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that, except that like there's also this like 3D element to the Ken Burns mm. effect. Um, it's not just straight like a zoom right, in right. Uh, or a pan. It's like rotating around it or something. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, anyway, you have to check that out. Yeah. All right, um, so yeah, we can uh, wrap this up. I do want to keep the episodes uh, short, so that's, that's fine. But I just wanted to kind of close on uh, what are your thoughts, just kind of gut check of this show so far because, uh, well, no, I'll just go ahead and let you answer first. What? How do you feel about the show so far, two episodes in? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really captivated by it. I'm 100% in on, you know, watching more of it. I'm not, like, really super disappointed or something um, about, like, it, div- you know, sort of dividing from the books. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for all this kind of sci-fi stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm 100% in. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I just wonder how much is it because, like, I read the books and, like, I'm committed to it. And I've always wanted a TV show. So, like... I'm just going to enjoy what they give me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or maybe I'm being a little overly critical because we're having an entire discussion podcast about it. So I'm finding things to critique. <laughs> but I will say uh, a, a lot of it, it kind of falls in between of like, it's fine. <laughs> and I was, I was expecting to be really wowed. And um, I will say, again, without spoiling, but, you know, I, I peeked ahead at the other episodes and it does get, really good and uh maybe picks up the pace a little bit so to speak um but Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i think maybe my expectations were too high uh so nothing against the show itself i'm keeping an open mind but i'm feeling like my expectations were way up here and the show is like kind of you know a minus it's like you know a little (laughs) bit above average but (laughs) that's where i'm at Uh, yeah yeah I think I would like it way more if I hadn't read the book. Yeah, that's um, that's funny. Because I wouldn't be. Because that's the, oh, my only complaints about it so far. It was save that one uh, guy getting blown to smithereens in the first one. I thought that was like I just cringed. I was like, that's the dumbest thing. Why did they put that in the show? <laughs> yeah, and here um, I was telling every all my friends read the books before you watch the show because I thought like it's it's gonna be like <laughs> Game of Thrones, really complicated, and like it'll be so much better if you know like what's going on with the books and all that. But yeah, maybe it should be better yeah. just going in blind. Um, maybe I can get Mary to to do an I, episode with us because she hasn't read the books, and we could kind of like get her opinion on that. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. I think though that you, I I think if I watched the show first and then I read the books, I'd probably be disappointed because the book. I mean, the books are again so like there's so much about dialogue and like sort of like technical stuff. It's not really about the action. Uh, so if you like watch the show and you're like, oh yeah, it's, it's like gonna be this like really awesome action sci-fi, and then you like read the books, you'd be so disappointed. Mm, true, you know. Um, so I guess it's good that I read them first, um, but I think it's hard to enjoy the two equally. Like one one will make you appreciate the other one differently or dislike it, um, just because they're different. I mean, yeah, they're, they're just yeah, very very different things. Totally, one is more philosophy driven, and this one is more like character and action driven. And, you know, I guess you mm-hmm. got to do that sometimes for, for a show. Got to get the viewers. 
But uh, yeah, this has been yeah, really great. I'm glad you're able to make some time in between baby duties. Uh, For sure. And uh, yeah, maybe we can do it again. We'll play it by ear. But uh, yeah. yeah. See if we can make it happen next week again. All right, cool. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. Talk to you later. See you later, Rob. Mm-hmm.